0: Welcome back to a post-Thanksgiving episode of the BAT podcast. Howard, Randy, and Zach here with you today. What's up, guys? stoked to be here. Really excited to be back
1: uh, in BAT HQ and recording a little podcast and getting together, talking about what's been going on,
2: what's been happening with you guys. Good to be with you guys, 10 pounds heavier after uh, the meal I ate last week. So I thought we could circle back. You talked a little bit, Howard. About gearing up for the Velocity Invitational before we headed out for the holiday, you both drove
0: and spectated. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I was down at Velocity. That was uh, a few weeks back. It was a really, really good event. Run um, by a guy named Jeff O'Neill, who's a local guy. They did uh, something similar. Their inaugural event was called the Sonoma Speed Festival. Uh, so this was the second installment of that. They moved it down to Laguna Seca uh, and rebranded it as Velocity. So I was driving. In uh, kind of the big bore V8, uh, late 50s, early 60s group, I was driving a, a B-modified special called the Monsterati, which is basically a, a car that was built uh, in a period and ran in the southeastern region of the SECA. Um, with all the big stuff of the period, it's uh, based on a 39 Ford frame with a, a small block Chevy, as a lot of the cars in that group are. Uh, big horsepower, a uh, mix of drum and disc brakes, but um, Maserati bird cages and, and, uh, Cooper Monaco's and various, uh, specials like the car I was driving, uh, uh, stuff made by the likes of, you know, Troutman and Barnes. And, uh, there was a Chaparral one that was, that was in the group, which is kind of a, uh, scarab on steroids. And so, yeah, exciting, exciting, uh, experience for me. Um, but then there was, yeah, nine or 10 other, other groups really, really, uh, high bar for eligibility and car authenticity so uh, the stuff that was running was tended to be very very exceptional Um, this was a cool event in that it wasn't kind of the traditional cars parked in front of the big rigs Um, it was kind of took some cues from goodwood and other events where all the cars were were tented and all together so i think that format is much more interesting uh, just visually and also for spectators and it's cool to have all the drivers together right and they, they do it by group so you go out with the group, you come back in. It's just a much more kind of friendly and congenial way to do it. So, so I, uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Really moving up in the world from your spec Miata race just the other weekend. How'd it feel to be back out on track? Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. The, the, those cars are, are a bit terrifying just given that they're all kind of four or 500 horsepower and don't stop very well. And so that definitely requires uh, your full attention. Uh, this event had some cool new stuff. They did, a. Uh, what did they do? They had the McLaren F1 team uh, that was there, uh, including the chief himself, Zach Brown, who skipped the, I guess, the Brazilian F1 race to be at, at Velocity. So uh, that was definitely a vote of confidence from him to be uh, there with his crew. They yeah, were, I heard he gave a talk. Did you go to that, or did you skip that? He gave a few talks. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Go, he, there was a dinner. I didn't go to that. Uh, they had Mika Hakkinen out, who's kind of a McLaren ambassador, doing hot laps in, in uh, a real F1 car they brought Um, So that was pretty neat to watch. Uh,
1: More importantly, he brought his BAT alumni RV that was there in the paddock. I don't know if you saw. Oh, I did. I I missed that. Man,
0: you should have texted me. I would have gotten a pick of it. Yeah,
1: the McLaren team uh, RV from the early 70s that Zach Brown bought on BAT and now has toured around. He brought it to Indianapolis. He brought it now to Laguna to the vintage event. And it's sort of one
0: of his favorite vintage race items. Wow. Uh, no, that's huge. Uh, I, I got to search to the web for some pics of that in the paddock. They had a, a cool event, which they built as, as the uh, Mini vs. Mustang uh, Enduro, and they scheduled that uh, as a night race. sun goes down early this time of year, and so they uh, kind of dropped the green flag at, at dusk, and it was an hour race uh, into the night. And I'd never been at Laguna or Sears, for that matter, for a night race. Uh, so seeing them going around, light track lights, obviously headlights on. Uh, they probably have 40-ish cars, mostly minis, but some Mustangs. Um, but just a, a, a cool uh, new type of race that uh, I don't recall ever kind of being done recently. Uh, so that, that was a highlight for me.
1: I think, I think that's fantastic, like that they're innovating and doing new stuff. And that one, how the heck did they pick mini against Mustang? I mean, it's just sort of... Was that just grabbed out of thin air? Is there some heritage like that was done back in the day, or something? <laughs> or is that just like an idea they came up with, you know, over beers one night? Like let's have minis racing across. Yeah, festivals.
0: totally. That was some good footage of yeah Mount Panorama, Australia, back in the day, maybe stuff like that. Uh, Zach, I was in I was in the sip and saver uh, tent watching that uh, as, as all the races wound down. But uh, yeah, we were pitted across from the minis, and we were talking like, where did all these minis come from? Yeah, I haven't seen them at a vintage race event in years, and yet here's forty of them. So all these guys, uh, they had Nick Swift, the Goodwood. Good uh, oh, uh, Swift showed up? Yeah, he wow. Was, he was, I thought it was
1: usually, uh, used to be, but back then anyway, Don Racine from Mini Media bringing the yeah. 171 red cars out, yeah. out yeah. of uh, Tahoe area or Auburn or wherever he is.
0: Anyway, bringing those cars out. But I haven't seen
1: them in, like you said, in a long time, but they pulled a bunch out, huh?
0: Yeah, they pulled a bunch out. Swift, I don't know if he won the race, but he was up there. Uh, Swift
1: tune engineering. Oh, was at him. Oh yeah, that yeah. guy's always like doing crazy stuff at Goodwood. It's fun.
0: Yeah, our buddy, uh, our buddy Martin Lauber. Lauber, shout out to you if you listen to this. He had an amazing race in his RSR, uh, won with an amazing battle, free car battle for the lead. He was also driving a Mini. I didn't realize uh, wow. he was up there in third or fourth. Uh, did driving. They, did they have vintage F1 classes as well? Did they? They did have F1. Yeah, it was a bit of a lighter field. I see. Okay, uh, and they cut it off at. 79, so it's the DFV uh, uh, era F1 cars. Anyways, we can go yeah. down that path. but For sure. uh, I just know that Albert rolls a F F1 car, but his is a little later, right? Yeah, he had the Jägermeister car and then you think he uh, upgraded to a John Clare Special. Nice. Uh, maybe we ought to get him on here to tell us all about We should the, uh, oh. driving vintage F1 cars. But again, yeah, no, Velocity was, was a great event. I had a great dice with uh, two of the bird cages, which is yeah the best uh, seat in the house to watch the races and uh, definitely want to be careful tiptoeing around uh, with cars like that, but uh, I was I was having a great time. And uh, Zach, we missed you down there.
2: I know, almost. And then it was about three and a half hours of traffic just to catch the mini night races. And I said maybe next year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so, what kind of lap times are you running in the Monserati? Uh
0: I got down to like a forty-nine or fifty. Solid. I think I've I've gone faster in it, but yeah, the fast cars were uh, were doing like low forties. Uh, Spencer Trenary, uh, former BAT podcast guest, he was driving a uh, Cooper Monica, won the race in our group on Saturday, and then the car broke, so he was out. But uh, yeah, it was all sorts of uh, familiar BAT faces in the group. So it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about the people, you know. It makes it makes it fun if you. If you know who's out there. So Sub
2: one fifty you are blowing past the Bait Pen crowd at Speed SF events. So pretty oh, impressive. A, yeah, did me, uh, yeah. Did
0: that put me in the advanced group? Uh, I think so, yeah.
2: You're you're uh, passing graduating from point by only in the monster Audi. Whoever yeah. you ever wanna take that for Speed SF weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. That thing is that thing is a
0: beast. It's, uh, it's describe kind of, it. Uh, most people probably have no idea what. Yeah, uh, we ought to post a pic of it. But um, it's it's a, a B modified special, so kind of a, a you know not a junkyard racer, but but a guy by the name of Bill Janowski, who's almost 90 years old, who was actually there watching the car, who's still very invested in, in vintage racing and, and the car he built, um, wanted to run SCCA and in Texas, and then later kind Of throughout the southeast region, and so endeavored to build a car for the B Mod class, which ran with yeah, the, the 250 TRs and, and all the stuff. Uh, in that period, he ran it from 57 to 62 with a variety of engines, but its current form is a, is a small black Chevy with a, a T10 four speed. So, uh, yeah, pretty sp- straightforward drivetrain, but um, yeah, pretty, pretty punishing car to drive just in terms of yeah, four 450 horsepower. Uh, brakes that, that are somewhat effective, but are, are still drums. Uh, other cars are running discs in that group. And something that definitely is very easy to power slide off the corner and, and uh, definitely can make you look uh, heroic just by virtue of the fact that there's a lot more motor than than tire. But, you yeah, know, it's, it's definitely an exciting, exciting car to drive. Uh, How many laps does it take to feel confident going over the crest at Laguna? Uh, that's more of a car you don't want to, like, hammer the brakes too much and get super darty. If you're really saving your braking, that's not the type of car you're going to, like, get people under braking in. So you want to, yeah, play to its strengths, which is, which is power. So, you know, maximizing slow in, fast out. And uh, uh, Laguna is obviously a, a fast uh, track with a lot of straightaways. So that car definitely shines there uh, for the most part. But, uh, you yeah, know, I was happy to complete the, uh, the race weekend unscathed, but exciting stuff. Definitely whetted my whistle for uh, vintage racing in 2022, Zach.
2: Oh, good to hear. Yeah, maybe one day I'll be as brave
0: as you and actually be able to go flat over the crest and something like that. I don't think I was flat over the crest in that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. could say that I was, but I was, I was definitely kind of, yeah, I was taking a breather at the bridge and and going kind of half throttle over. But yeah, full throttle in that car you definitely are, are get going pretty quick uh, in a pretty short period of time. So then you got to slow down. So taking a step back,
2: just the event on the whole, what would you say really differentiates it from other events that are hosted at Laguna Seca year round?
0: uh they're just trying to do this whole different format for for vintage racing um and i, I could see them kind of maybe even usurping the traditional kind of uh monterey historics hmm. um so this was kind of an interesting test run for them uh, having done it at laguna but re- really just the layout of the cars and and kind of eliminating all the the big rigs and and kind of that setup i think probably the the race crews don't love it because the cars are parked away from all of the tools and gear but visually, and yeah, I would encourage, would encourage people to check out social media and, and uh, recaps of the event, but visually it's it's super compelling for me. The the pre-grid, they usually they do it in the hot pit, which is kind of way more restrictive for the general public. Uh, for this event, they lined all the cars up in the paddock. Uh, also kind of Goodwood style, which allowed everyone to kind of be there for the start of the race, and they had kind of the Goodwood TV uh, cameras going on and, and the announcers, and so uh, definitely, the fanfare and, and feel of it felt kind of elevated and and uh, really professional in a way. So it was it was fun as a driver and and also just to to yeah be there.
2: Yeah, from my perspective, which was again uh, via the internet at home because I did not make it down. It looked like an overwhelming success. All of the media coverage was just so sick and really made me feel like I missed out. So. Hopefully, I budget my weekend a little bit better next year. Yeah, and the stuff having with F1 there
0: just makes it feel like it's, it's uh, you know, something special. They had, uh, two years ago, they had the uh, Mercedes F1 team, so we'll see what they can pull out of the hat for, for next year. But they had, uh, yeah, four performances there with, with six or seven uh, GTLMs. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing exhibition laps in those, and... Yeah, just like I said, just the, the, the race cars were, were amazing, but but the stuff going on for demonstration and exhibition, 300 SLRs and Gurney Eagle F1 cars and all that sort of stuff really made for just a jam-packed every day of, of really cool stuff going on on track.
1: I love it. I uh, I'm a little bit of a Monterey Historics loyalist for mm-hmm. August, you know? So it's super interesting to see another event come along and do things differently and push the envelope a little bit and do some things that are working in other markets or, or just try innovative things. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think uh, all events should be thinking about new, new and exciting things that can be done. And that, I think, I bet that was an eye opener for uh, anybody running an, an event at Laguna or elsewhere. Like, wow, look at this. This is a cool new way to do it. So anyway, yeah, I, I appreciate their media approach and obviously, yeah, night race. I mean, do, do some creative stuff. So anyway, I, I hope they, they have some other cool events uh, coming up because it seems like they know what they're doing.
2: Nice. Shifting gears a little bit, Randy, you're the, I think the only one of us that actually did something related to cars other than just answering some emails over the Thanksgiving screaming break. What were you doing? Well, you never mentioned, yeah, Black
1: Friday and everything else, all the cars jamming through the site. There's certainly a ton to talk about there. We'll talk about the cars. I was, I've been back turning wrenches again, which I've been excited about. Um, A car that was on BAT a really long time ago that people may or may not remember is a white 87 BMW 535 IS that I own, which was a US spec car, but the S model, which is kind of a cool one. We bought it when the whole team went up to Dirtfish in Seattle. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that car up there, but we bought it up there and kind of documented finding it on Craigs, and we're going to do another project car out of this and brought it south, and it's been at the BAT office for a good amount of time since And we're finally uh, doing a Euro bumper swap on that car. And I decided to do it myself. So source all the pieces. Now you get them, you know, it
2: goes back and forth to
1: the paint shop two or three times because you're test fitting stuff and modifying stuff. Bumper swaps, no joke on that car, right?
2: You actually have to do a little bit of metal work? Yeah, it's
1: kind of a pain, actually, as it turns out. Um, Halfway through projects like this, you tend to wish you maybe had somebody else do it. But but I've been pushing through and doing it on my... Kids have been helping out, and some some buddies of mine have been helping out.
0: And, Where are we? Halfway through, or what's the? No, we are at
1: at no joke, you know, ninety seven percent. I know you roll your eyes because wow. I always say all my projects are at ninety seven percent there. But uh, no, this one is is fully running and driving. I need to wire up the fog lights and the front turn signal indicators, but the bumpers are assembled on front and rear panels on welding work done. You're, all the parts sourcing is that was done some months ago so uh, yeah everything's going together it's all it's all uh happening which feels really good the the for people that have seen those cars on the site the the euro bumper swapped cars and the euro market cars I would say bring a pretty meaningful premium e28 m5s in black just the standard US cars obviously bring really good money but same car with euro bumpers i personally would pay more for i think it looks so much better and it's it's transformative so much for those just like maybe with e30s yep yep so um there's a few models or yeah like a 73 versus a 74 3.0 cs right like people pay way more money for the for the early chrome bumper cars so there's uh reason to do it it is a it is a hassle but man the thing looks good this is a white car so it's getting the white painted bumpers but your reason is mostly pride
2: ever since you owned that car you've been talking about doing the bumpers on it i've been talking big talker
1: ever since getting that car and it always you know for those cars if you're looking at them you always wish that it had those and this one finally doing it so it's getting the headlights and all the all the lighting and the and the bumper so that car will be on the road, uh, yeah, ideally next week, assuming I can get all my uh, crimps and splices and positives and negatives working for the lighting, and then we're good to
0: go. And I love that your kids are helping you. What's, what's their level of involvement? Are they, are they grabbing hardware off the shelf when you're crawling around the car, or what do, What do you have them doing for you? Well, this actually it's a good question. It's
1: made me be sort of fascinated with how these cars were put together originally because one person can't assemble it. Like on their own. If there's one guy trying to put the front bumper on in the factory, things are banging into it. You gotta slide these, you know, four different things in at the same time. So you need multiple people. You need sometimes three people, but oftentimes two people. So I'm I'm the guy that has to figure out like is a is a five year old capable of helping with this, or is a ten year old capable of helping with this, or do I need to, uh, you know, draft my wife or some friends or a neighbor or like with my dad or what do I need to do? So anyway, there's there's uh, some needs and they're, yeah, the young ones like chase tools and like you know they're stoked just to you know do the dustpan and the broom afterwards or whatever. Um, but the the some other folks have been able to to really help out in terms of. Yeah, meaningful stuff. We were welding on the car um, four or five weeks ago and doing different stuff that's pretty significant. So that stuff's hard. And then I had to find a body shop. I hadn't taken a car to a body shop for that sort of small detail work. A lot of body shops will roll their eyes. You're like, yeah, I need these three bumper parts painted to match. And they're like, we'd rather paint an F-150 that got sideswapped. We don't need you. (laughs) So uh, anyway, but I found, yeah, really, really cool folks that have been uh, putting up with me coming back three and four times with small odd jobs to get this thing done. So uh, anyway, you got to enlist some help. You can't do it all yourself. And uh, so that's been cool to to have that
2: happen. Great audience takeaway. Enlist small children to help you assemble (laughs) bumpers. As long as they're your own, I think it's legal. If you enlist other people's children, I don't think that's allowed. Was uh, that from uh, your uh, research uh, of child labor laws (laughs) over the last few weeks? Here. Clean this socket wrench.
0: Are, are you consulting YouTube or other sources for guidance, or you're figuring it out yourself? Or you? I mean, you know what you're doing for the most part, obviously. But.
1: Also interesting that you asked. There's one um, build thread that is like the North Star for this, and it's a dude who bought a red car off BAT, of course, right? Guy bought it off BAT and and went super deep. It's this guy from Seattle, and it's on one of the E28 uh, forums, and he built a red car and he did this whole thing and he documented the whole thing and yeah he had some like body guy or paint staff guy that came to his house and helped him do it and, and his is really ocd documented really well and then there's a couple like bad blogs that show you what you don't want it to look like but his was really really good so down to and he's one of these guys that like lists all the, the exact tires he bought for the exact rims that he bought everything right parts num part numbers all the stuff so all of that has been super helpful and then the guy I sourced all my parts from in LA has been super helpful he also sells on VAT and when I was on a business trip in LA whenever it was a year ago I bought you know two suitcases worth of all the parts to start getting the, the uh, euro bumper swap going so it's been a long, a long time in the works but um, but, yeah, there is definitely some help. And then some of it you can just kind of figure out, but you got to get all the pieces. And what's the plan when it's done? Commuted it? That was going to oh, be my know? driver, yeah, so many years later. That's my driver. I love those cars, man. It drives really, really nice. It's modern enough that it has, you know, AC and sounds and a sunroof, and then it's old enough that it looks cool, and it's just not another random new 5 Series, right? So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really neat car that I, I like, and I, I would like to put some miles on. It's kind of 100... Forty thousand on it, I think. So it's a pretty well used car, but it's it's pretty clean, um, and it's you really don't see them in that shape anymore. So rock and roll! I'm ready to
2: drive it. agree. I'm stoked to see it outside.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, we uh, yeah, apologies. It's been been a couple of weeks since our last uh, recording. We've had a lot going on. Thanksgiving, Omicron. Not, none of that has uh, has diminished uh, enthusiasm for all the cars and trucks and bikes we're selling. So uh, we definitely have a whole bunch to choose from. Something that went across very recently, which really caught my eye, which which I knew was gonna was gonna be a great result because it's a, truly a find. Another one, which was the Land Rover Discovery that won the 1990 Camel Trophy, maybe one of the coolest Land Rover Range Rovers uh, in existence, certainly that we've ever sold. So the Camel Trophy, what is it? It was a event that ran the 80s and 90s that was supported by Land Rover. What was cool about it is. I think it took place all over the globe, right? They, they were in Brazil and Africa. This particular car, they were in Siberia for the 1990 event. But I think they did 15 or 20 of them. All Land Rovers, even the support vehicles were Land Rovers. So 1990, this was an early discovery. I think the support cars running then were 110s or 127s or maybe a combination of the two. We
2: get a lot of alleged support Land Rovers submitted to us.
0: Yeah, right. So yeah, a uh, Camel Trophy support, then that'd be a cool, that'd be a Cori, cool but the, the, the winning truck is uh, is a cut above. These cars were outfitted by uh, Land Rover Special Vehicles Program, so they were very intentionally prepared for, for this kind of marathon event, but a lot of people are, are decking their cars out kind of in the style of, but this this was the one, and yeah, sold, sold for $138,000, which I don't know if I have an opinion on what it might be worth, given that, that it's the car, but... Uh, definitely uh, a, a very, very historic uh, discovery, and we were we were thrilled to list it. I mean these things in those events were absolutely
1: trashed, right I mean, you look at the you look at the photos, that's another reason this one's so valuable because it it came through it in pretty good shape. like you look at camel trophy photos online and you'll find them with water up to the roof line right I mean they're like you can you can really basically use up the vehicles over the course of these crazy events and and for those that yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm no total expert on Camel Trophy, but watching videos and and just being psyched about off-roading back in that sort of day, I mean, they were, it's kind of like a, a timed rally. You need to get from point to point, but there are also, I think, like skills challenges and like sometimes you had to float the vehicles down a river. I mean, you, you did all sorts of really uh, unusual and crazy things that they were outfitted for. And it was typically two-man teams from different, uh country so it, it almost had a you know olympics uh sort of uh mentality of the you know the, the dutch team versus the um versus the south american team versus the brits versus uh, i think there were some american teams um but camel trophy and that logo i mean there was all sorts of merchandise and marketing and videos and all this stuff back when when i was a kid getting into four-wheel drive stuff and this This was the most extreme of it all. So, yeah, really to find this vehicle, like Howard said, a a mustard-colored rover uh, with stickers on it. You can find one of those and find some pretty cool ones, actually. But to find the ones that actually did the event and survived the event and were the winner of the event, I've actually never seen another one for sale really offered anywhere. So I I think it would be super interesting to watch now if more of these come out of the woodwork.
0: And they went to some pretty like far out places. They went to like rainforests and the Amazon and Burundi, and and this was in Siberia, like we said. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the logistics of getting everyone to the starting grid and then you know dropping the green flag is uh, is, is yeah definitely encourage people to to uh, check out some YouTube vids on on Camel Trophy, but. Um, Camel was obviously the, the cigarette company that was the, the lead sponsor and, and Land Rover Rover was the support. I think that that was succeeded by, what, the G4 challenge? We've sold some Discovery G4s. I, I don't think that quite had the panache of, uh, of Camel Trophy. but It didn't have the cigarette sponsorship,
1: which takes yeah. it down a couple yeah, of times. absolutely. Right?
0: So, you know, we, we've talked about uh, on this pod our favorite events, a number of them. I don't know if you mentioned Camel Trophy, but it's it's definitely up there. Um, so this, this was a, this was a neat car.
1: Yeah. And a two door model and turbo diesel. So obviously non USA spec and somehow this thing's in Alabama, um, coming in, given that it's a 1990, uh, model year. So anyway, very interesting vehicle and super cool that we could have it. And yeah, I mean, you can talk about 138 grand for one of those. Um, you talk about, you know, race or event history. We sell, Um, different sorts of sports cars that get a very meaningful value bump. If it, you know, was at the right race at the right time? This is an event winner. So yeah, you talk about price. I mean, I think if you're in that world, like it doesn't shock me at all, that something would bring six figures for something that wins the Campbell trophy. If that's your sort of pinnacle of, of, uh, off-road sport or motorsport,
0: Would you rather have that or a Bob Tullius TR8? Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, We're talking about esoteric, real deal race cars. And both British, yeah. And they have the same, no, this is a diesel.
1: But, I mean, they put the, the Tilius, I think, has a V8 in that car, right? Is it That's a right. Rover V8? Yep. And these things um, in U.S. trim had Rover V8s? So there's, some, there's some through lines there. Um, I mentioned that because that car was running at Velocity, and I was yeah. on the
0: pre-grid with it, uh, and so... Anyway. Esoteric stuff, right? That's
1: actually, yeah, isn't that the guys out of uh, Grand Prix Classics that's out, right. of, out yeah. of San Diego? Um, that's a cool, that's actually a pretty cool car. I'm actually okay with that. I'd probably, I never thought I'd maybe say that, but I'd actually, I'll take the TR8, Bob.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, other other cool stuff on the site. Um We've had all sorts of wild listings. What other stuff are you guys gravitating towards on the site right now?
0: Well, Zach, there seems to be no shortage of Uber two and three digit uh, mile view of GNXs. I know we've uh, touched on that in the past, but I've I've enjoyed seeing a constant stream of those going across all all, uh, people that are super psyched for, for each one.
2: Yes, we're in a lovely, lovely period of wealth in Grand Nationals and GNXs all incredibly low mileage on the GNX side, some pretty low mileage Grand Nationals as well. I don't want a but, GNX that has 300 miles on
1: it, though. Do you? I mean, I'd love to actually just go run one of those at stoplights or whatever. So i got to like, like, even walk that back and say, do I want a GNX? Yeah. That's more the question I yeah. ask myself. Or I but, guess, I mean, is GNX a guarantee over just a Grand National? Would you just go drive a Grand National or would you want it? Everybody wants a GNX. That's a that's a terrible question. I would have to take the GNA. Really? I would confidently own a Grand National. Totally. Personally. Totally. Like, I, th- I think they're incredible. And I'm not a super low mileage guy, as you know. I just yeah. spilled that My BMW has 140K on it. So uh, not 140 miles. Yeah. 140,000 miles. I
2: mean, we really beat the mileage topic to death, I think, in an earlier podcast. Yeah. But what pleasure do you derive out of owning something that has that kind of mileage? I mean... I... Th- I th- What? High mile or low mile? low i
1: think i mean i totally get it i totally get why people pay all the dough Mm -hmm. and i think they should and i think those gnx's are spectacular when they're that brand new but but uh everybody gets their own i love freedom just as much as i love gnx's so people get to choose whatever they want gnx's and
2: loving freedom that's heavy overlap
1: and totally totally
2: that's why i like both so um
1: yeah. Anyway, there's been some good ones of those. But what what other good stuff
0: have we had? Well, one of your favorite cars, Randy, that actually recently came back around was the uh, was the GTI Callaway.
1: Uh, Whoa. Stage two, turbo and rung the bell and freaked a lot
0: of people out with yeah. what it brought, right? What did it bring the first time versus the second time? I got to pull that up. Right. I think it was, uh, what, Zach, 38 or 40, and yeah. then did 62 this time. Yeah. And people were people were losing their minds when that was on the site <laughs> six-ish months ago. I went to a cool guy who, who uh, drove it around New England and then resold it. But, you yeah, no, I, I know, uh, I know we were all geeking out about yeah. that. Yeah,
1: 38 and then 62. What eighteen months apart? And I mean, I don't know. Could it repeat sixty-two over and over and over again? I don't know. Sometimes it's just a fist fight, and and they go for big dough because another one's not going to come for a while. But you know, I love GTIs, Mark One GTIs in white are fantastic, and it's it's on one hand super cool to see you know people appreciating it because I think more will come out of the woodwork on the BAT. Uh, but it's also kind of crazy to think about it, it cost you whatever uh, you know new new golf R money or whatever to get into a, a mark one that's that's got 140 horse on its best day
2: yeah well said uh i look to you very much as the resident vw expert and mouthpiece for the broader vw community so i wanted to throw this one to you dovetailing off that gti have you checked out the vr6 swap rally golf i have i very much have my uh i saw that when
1: it was in the system in the back end before it made it to the live site. Um, I think it's a real rally golf as far as I know. Right. And then it's just the engine swap and the, and the lowered suspension and stuff are obviously pretty heavily modded, but, um, that's pretty wild. You don't see a lot of rally golfs in the U S. Um, I have never seen one in the U S in the flesh. I've seen plenty in Europe and they're around and I, I kind of follow those and I kind of like them. I have a narrow body one and, and kind of prefer that look. But I I what, what is, is a rally? Is that, is that all wheel drive or what is a rally? All wheel drive homologation car for, mm-hmm. I believe group a rally and yeah, pretty, pretty cool car box flares, narrow headlights that have air intakes beneath them. Obviously the, the, uh, um, all-wheel drive system that I don't know if was actually the synchro system or if it was, it was slightly different than that, but kind of an unusual, certainly an unusual car sort of in the vein of the E30 M3, just sort of box flared and, and uh, not for the general masses, but with some crazy equipment and never, never for the U.S. Ton of people back in the day would swap in the headlight setup out of a, out of a, it right, had projector headlights and a slimmer headlight which some people thought were super cool on, on Jettas and, and GTIs and Golfs.
0: But dude, I can just, these are going around Nürburgring on, on Sundays for, totally. for lapping, right? Absolutely. But it's nowadays like finding,
1: um, finding a clean stock one in a good color is really hard. I mean, they've all gone tuner. It's, it's like trying to find a good STI is going to be in another 15 years, like the 2.5 RS that hasn't had a, intake kit put on it right it is like it's like not going to exist so those cars so many are tuned and this one's tuned pretty crazy a lot of people want the six cylinder uh horsepower bump but um but yeah six cylinder noise coming out of that thing people love vr6 sound so yeah that's that's kind of another
2: reason why i want to grill you on that is because i keep pulling up that listing back to back with the Delta tentacral evo 2 we have Mm. and that's also very in your wheelhouse i see some overlap between those box flares humble hatches but rally homologations
1: Integrale is very near the top of my list, oh, yeah. as, as you know, I love those cars, uh, always have, so the I don't think the Volkswagen ever quite got to the stature of the Integrale, um, but it's still a super cool car, and maybe rarer based on numbers, because uh, a ton of Integrales well, were
2: built. So. Yeah, what's interesting is, I mean, both these cars have a lot of room to climb, I think they both have four days left, and are ending on the same day, but the golf really looks like a value proposition bidding around the mid twenties right now. And that Delta Degrale is at 95 grand. So it's pretty cool. You can get something that's rally homologated, uh, wide body box flares with that kind of presence and production numbers that low at, at such a discount compared to something that's relatively similar on paper. No, it's a good that's a good way to look at it. And if you're into unusual stuff, right? I mean, I, I got my Integrale
1: and I was all stoked <laughs> that I've got the only one around or whatever. And now they're all over the place, as you guys know, right? I mean, those show up to many events. You don't see too many of them on the road, but you certainly see them in car circles and, and plenty of photos of them. Uh, I don't know if there's... Tens or hundreds of them in the U.S. now, but I mean, many people have brought them in. But like I say, you can—I don't know—count on one hand how I many rally golfs, real rally golfs there are in the U.S. Oh, well, I'm
0: glad you're. I'm glad you reminded me because it would have totally fallen out of my uh, my consciousness. But I was in New York City a few weeks back, and, and then you saw a rally golf driving down you know, the road. I was standing at a stoplight, and some guy was there in a Maserati Shamal, and I was like, "Hey, dude, nice Shamal." <laughs> He was like, hey, he was like, what's up? Like, no one knows, who are you? No one knows this is Shamal, and I, we got to talk, and he was like, oh, I'm the guy who sold Randy's Delta Integrale. Oh, no way! So I was like, oh, okay. Phil. Yeah, I, I forget. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. That guy's got a
1: bunch of interesting cards. What color was it? Black. black. They're all, they're all red, black right? or silver or red, aren't they? No, red. no, you, I thought you could get a black one. It was not red.
0: It was a color that was not red.
1: Okay. Nice. Uh, anyways, we've missed a friend. couple of those, and then a few of those have been floating around. I, I, I just saw
0: pictures of one in SoCal. But no, amazing uh, small world. My, my nation mall comment uh, set off quite a quite a lively. Uh, discussion totally. This, you this, tell my blew up the engine.
1: No, oh, you should have. I don't know if I even told him that part yet. But he has another integral. He bought after he got rid of mine. He said he missed it, and he bought another one that that uh, gray colored one.
0: Oh, all Zach's, red based on our search results. Zach's trying
1: to throw down that Shamals are only red. No, uh, I, I don't even know. I say that's like they're really all bi-turbos to me. I don't really understand all the uh, all the differences. So, thankfully,
2: that community be small of Shamal owners. They won't. People are coming after you. There'll only be uh, about three of them in front of your house.
0: Oh, uh, we're talking red cars,
2: so
1: I'll see them coming.
0: We're talking about Randy's E28. We had an 88 uh, Alpina B7 Turbo. That, that kind of went nuts. Is that uh, the one we put, Catalyzator, in the title? Yeah, they made, like, what, 250 or 300 of them, Zach? And then a, a fraction of those had a catalytic converter. And, I don't yeah, is that because you can register in California? I or had no product? idea, but I saw
1: it in the title. I, like, laughed my head off. I was like, wow. <laughs> Somebody writing for uh, BAT had to figure out how to spell catalytic in German and make sure it was in the title because it's on the badge on the back of the car that's why they put it on I thought that was kind of funny but uh, yeah real Alpina B7 not too many of those floating around either and uh, look like an, I mean obviously huge mo- man monster result I'm just looking at it now
2: 163 grand wow it must be those Euro bumpers Zach I think that's what it is we're going to slap a set of Alpina stickers on the side of yours as well <laughs> Uh, what uh, 85,000
1: original so miles. Man, that's a nice car. I mean, that's a fantastic one. Dutch Plates, was it? But it was in California. You must have just gotten here. Cool. Anyway, yeah, good, nice call uh, pulling that one out. Man, 162 grand for one of those now. I remember we sold pretty early in VAT auctions. We sold one, and it hit like 70 grand, and everybody's, you know,
0: brain melted. You <laughs> flow Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, I remember it well. I love that you remember that. It's so (laughs) solid. I'm gonna search that up right now. Um, But no, that was uh, everybody thought that was like a huge number, and this is over double. Let's see what that (laughs) one.
0: And then that same uh, guy is a cool guy. Sold a a really sharp uh, uh, Tia 2002. I recall. Oh, yeah, that man. was that was an early one. You search out Pina B7
1: and you go way deep into E65 sedans. Hold on, I'm just trying to wade my way through here. Uh let's see if I can find the it was green and color. There it is, with the with the parking lights on in the in the shot. It's all for $60,500. Was that f- 2015? That was 2014. Wow. September 2014. 2 right. two-digit lot. Number. I'll pull a lot number. He may be in the two-digit club. Uh 42. Yeah, that was wow. car number 42 on BAT. And uh, you knew the guy who won it, which is amazing. The guy who sold it was Roy W33 and it sold for 60K. And I remember people being like, oh my gosh, Randy, what's happening? BT auctions are crazy. You're selling E28s for 60000 And now that one just went for 100K more than that. So, hey, I guess we all should have bought that one back then. That was a long time ago, man. Seven
0: years ago. Yeah. Lots changed. Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we've been having a, a seeming never-ending uh, menu of really awesome uh, 4x4s and trucks, uh, stock and modified and everything in between. We have two pretty exceptional 4x4s. Zach, you wanted to chat about those. One is actually something that I've never even knew existed. It's a it's a 70s Bronco-style truck built around a modern Raptor. Well, I don't think it existed <laughs> until this build was finished, right? <laughs> Well, right, but I mean, I don't even know who's building these things, but I think I actually feel this one when it came through, and I was just like, talk about doing a double take of what am I looking at here. It's yeah. so funny, scrolling through the
2: listing, I always think that somebody dropped the ball and swapped in the wrong interior photos for that truck, because <laughs> you go to the exterior yeah. and it's all like stretched Bronco pickup body, and then you go to the interior, it's modern f-150 raptor sometimes it's hard to yeah hard to figure out on some
1: hot rods and and this one where they where they
2: meld the two together but yeah it's
1: um it's pretty wild to look at all the the drive chain i i uh I know you guys have maybe driven some raptors or been in some raptors but they this thing would be great going down the road compared to the the old twin uh, twin beam and you know leafs out back and all that sort of stuff this thing I think it'd go down the road really well. It looks like the engineering they did on it's pretty cool. And then, do you, are you guys aware of the the four door Broncos like this, where the top comes off, called the Centurion? We mm-hmm. listed a few Centurions. They, I don't believe they ever did it in this seventies body style. It Took until the I think the OJ body style before they before they started building those, or maybe the Bullnose. But it um, that's what this reminded me of, and I was like, wow, did they, did one of those exist? So I kind of went down the rabbit trail of. Figuring out, was there ever a four-door Bronco removable top that they just grabbed this body from? Or did these guys have to really build this thing from scratch? And it looks like they took the latter. They like kind of molded together several cabs and, and uh, beds and bodies to make this thing work and make the wheelbase work. And it, I think it's pretty cool. A bunch of people have been texting me about it saying, Randy, check this thing out. You know, All your all your Raptor friends like who actually say they want an old
0: Bronco, here's the combo. Yeah, there's some Bronco, there's some F250, and like who knows what other you know Ford truck parts and stuff they needed to, to wrangle together to make this work. But uh, it's pretty neat and, and something that is that is truly uh, in a class of its own as as far as I'm concerned. When when you're talking about kind of uh, customized, personalized, modified uh, vintage trucks, well, it's um, an
2: interesting contrast with the '49 Power Wagon we have live because that build also heavily custom, heavily personalized built on an older body style but also i believe built on at least the period frame of a power wagon there mm-hmm. rather than a full body swap mm-hmm. um so, so I, sometimes they'll do those on a 2500
1: dodge uh you know and do the whole thing but you can you can pick those out pretty quickly based on based on some aesthetics so that one yeah i didn't look too close on that one whether it's still on the old frame but with new axles or if they actually went ahead and just you know, lifted the body, custom built the body to the new frame, but guys, guys are building some really wild stuff. And as we know, people are, it costs quite a bit to commission one of these and it, and it's usually, you know, a couple years or more to have one built. So the fact that these are coming available and you can, you know, snap your fingers and get one of these granted it costs a whole bunch of money, but you, you don't have to wait in line for these craftsmen to, to build it. If you like what these
0: look like. No, that's that uh, that truck of 49, 49 1949 Power Wagon. Uh, not too many 1949 parts still left there, but done by an outfit called Desert Power Wagon's in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, Cummins diesel, uh, yeah, custom body. They extended they extended the body to accommodate uh, uh, the rear doors and and all that sort of stuff. So uh, definitely something that is pretty is pretty mean rolling down the road. Yeah, well said.
2: And I also think there's just something worth mentioning where we get a lot, we get a lot of custom builds, some air a little more on the homebrew side of the custom build world. But these two are pretty clearly well executed through and through, which is why we both made the call to bump them as premium auctions. So premium four wheel drives, how many, how many things fall into that category other than these two crazy builds man i hope more paris or sorry uh more camel trophy winning land rovers if i'd take a perry the car though you were about to go yeah. down that
1: road they raced range rovers and mm-hmm. and actually land cruisers and all sorts of weird stuff in that i don't know if that gets premium billing unless we get the you know bottle of champagne that that uh that went with it when it won the event but anyway we got to keep our eyes out for those some good stuff getting submitted
0: uh, other thing I wanted to shout out, which is uh, maybe something we'll never see again, is, is we listed the, the coolest Porsche 924 out there, which was a, which was a Carrera GTR, um, a Holbert racing car that, uh, I don't know how many of those they made, but it, but it couldn't have been many, and that was the real deal, a car that ran it at the Rennsport uh, reunion in 15, and super cool uh, flares, full-on Carrera GTR race car, dry sum, Kugel, Fisher, and Jackson, um, so that was really neat to see uh, on the site, and... Uh, those don't don't come along very often, so I was I was really proud that we got the chance to uh, to sell that one. I
1: thought it was gutsy that we described the drivetrain in that Porsche nine twenty four as a turbocharged and intercooled two point two five liter Audi inline four. Mm. I thought that was that was fighting words for some folks. I thought I thought that may uh, I didn't know where that was going to go for the Porsche and the Audi folks, but I loved it. Yeah, look at that car. I mean, the, the the rear shot with those wide rear fenders of fiberglass and the big wing. What a what a neat looking car. Anyways, interesting stuff. Uh, any, any
0: final thoughts, guys?
1: I'm just always watching, you know, using my watch list. Zach always says, Randy, what's on your watch list? And I love, I love getting alerts and seeing what's going through the system and seeing what I wish I could have. Um, it just keeps coming.
2: Keeps I really... still want functionality for the site where everyone can just view your watch list publicly. View be... your other people's watch just list? Just yours, man. I think that's an interesting way to slice and dice the site. What's mm. Randy Nonnenberg looking at? Weird, weird stuff. Yeah, other than that, I would just recommend everybody check out 911R's video on the Safari 911. Have you guys had the pleasure of watching Is this? he selling that red one? Is like that the him? Hydraulic
1: handbrake. It's not the same one he sold with the donuts on the beach. Uh, video where he was ripping around Oregon. No, that coast. was one of the
0: first ones we had. Man, was that the supercharged one? I but that know. was early
2: days. This one's a little different. Give us a teaser on the video,
0: Zach. What are we What are we going to find?
2: Oh, so good. Full demo of what it's like to own that car. Uh, multiple uses of the hydraulic handbrake come into play. Some wonderful slides. Full throttle through two gears over railroad tracks. Really everything you'd hope and dream grabbing a safari 911 would be so yeah 911r always pulls out all the stops for his videos i think more so than many other sellers and this video does not disappoint very good we'll check
0: that out one of the things, thanks for tuning in uh, uh, please keep sending us uh your, your requests and suggestions for for tools and features and everything you want to see we're working every day to make the site better and better and build out everything that you the community wants uh to be able to do on vat so thanks again and we'll see you next week